Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly brought to you by Firm Foundation Media. Good afternoon and welcome to the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires and pleased to be joined once again by the head coach of the Monk of Magic, Joe Salerno. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you? Excellent. Thank you very much. Happy that uh, January and March are now over with, and, or excuse me, January and February are over with, and we can concentrate on that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, starting to put that winter behind us a bit, although I heard we're supposed to get some snow here uh, tomorrow in, into Thursday. <laughs> Should have brought it up. Huh? Uh, that's true. That, yeah, I did kind of open that door, didn't I? Um, you know what, Coach? Normally I wouldn't do this, but I'm not sure. We've got the, we've got some kind of strange connection here, so I'm just – is everything – are you hearing me okay on your end, sir? Yeah, yeah, I can I can hear you fine now. I actually just took you off my my speakerphone, so I think I'm 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 good now. That's what it might have been. That's what happens when you go live. Anything can happen. All right, <laughs> so we got a couple of things to talk about, but probably one of the bigger items of news uh, to come from the Moncton Magic recently. Uh, of course, a couple of weeks ago, the announcement was made that you had made a deal for the rights to Marvell Wave, but uh, at that time, really, it was probably looking more likely that he may not suit up this year but just before the game versus Halifax the other day the announcement coming from the team that uh Marvell Waith had signed and uh, was on the roster maybe just a little bit of how all that came together and what pre- precipitated kind of closing the deal with Marvell to get him in the lineup yeah yeah sure we um so we'd actually approached uh actually Niagara approached us uh, a couple weeks before the trade deadline uh, regarding Marvell Waith and if we would have interest in a potential trade with them. And, and I mean, obviously I did, you know, Marvell to me is, is one of the best Canadians, uh, in the NBL Canada. He's actually somebody that I saw, uh, this summer at a, at a pro-am tournament in, uh, in Halifax actually. Um, and I, I mean, obviously I was very interested, you know, but, uh, he has a, uh, a young son and a younger family uh, in the Toronto area, which is, which is where he's from. Um, so I think, you know, at that pro-am, he'd actually kind of mentioned to me he was going to look to, to kind of stay in the Toronto area for the season. Um, but either way, we, we discussed a potential trade and, uh, you know, nothing really kind of panned out. And then, uh, you know, really it was kind of a last-minute deal uh, that went through literally minutes before the, the trade deadline, um, uh, you know, a few weeks back. So uh, I was willing to, you know, give up a draft pick next year, you know, just to own his rights just for the magic to own his rights and, and have the potential uh, to sign him or, or potentially protect his rights for next season. It was kind of a no brainer for me. You know, I wasn't really anticipating, you know, or expecting him to, to sign on with us for the remainder of the season. I thought it might be a, a possibility. Um, and, you know, at first I think that he was planning on staying home. You know, he will have another job opportunity following our season in, in South America. And, um, you know, I think he was just going to kind of wait out until then, but I think just the more we talked, you know, and the more I kind of ex- expressed him our interest and in, and in really what he could bring to the team here and, and uh, you know, what the team could offer him, you know, he, he came around. He came around, and I think he made a, a great decision in joining us. Well, it certainly was great to see him uh, in the lineup the other night, and we'll get to more about his contribution uh, in that game. 
But of course, anytime there's any kind of roster uh, move, sometimes other players can be affected in other ways. And Marvell, of course, as you mentioned, a Canadian, and there's uh, got to be room made for him. So the decision was made to release uh, Marquise Clayton, a young rookie uh, out of Halifax, Dartmouth area. Uh, how did that conversation uh, go? And, and uh, you know, maybe just some thoughts uh, on Marquise's time with the Magic. Yeah, it was it was a, a really tough decision to to let Marquise go. Um, I have a, a ton of confidence in Marquise. I, I do think he's going to be a great pro. I think he's going to be a, a very good pro in this league uh, in years to come. And you know, he's a guy that had been here from from day one of, of training camp. Um, the conversation, you know, obviously he was he was disappointed. Um, but you know, we we talked through things quite a bit, and I think Marquise knew he was in kind of a unique situation. Um, on this roster and and our roster kind of took a turn mid-season and it really kind of affected Marquise's playing time and his opportunity more than anybody um, you know which which was tough for him and it really didn't have anything to do with his play uh, it really had to do with what other guys could could and were bringing to the table um, when I first signed Marquise and this was kind of what our conversation was about you know during his exit interview um, you know we we signed him with the intention of him, you know, in that backup point guard role this season for us, you know, originally we were planning on playing, you know, Anthony Anderson at, at the two this year. Um, but then when we made the addition of Jason Caliste, um, you know, we were able to kind of insert Corey Allman into that starting lineup based on some of his play. It allowed us to kind of have, you know, a shooter coming off the bench as well as in the starting lineup and it moved double A to the one, you know, which then moved Al Stewart to that backup role and, and ultimately affected Marquise. You know, and I think that was a a learning, you know, it was a learning curve. It was a learning process for Marquise where, you know, him coming from St. Mary's where, you know, he had been one of the best players in the AUS for a, for a long time. And there was never going to be a question of what his role was on that team. And, and that's just a adjustment that rookies have to make, you know, when they make the jump to the pro level. And, um, you know, rosters have the tendency to change more than they would at the university level. So, you know, all in all, it was it was a difficult situation. I think it was the right decision for our team moving forward. And um, you know, Marquise left on good terms. He certainly expressed interest in in uh, potentially coming back next next season, which I was very pleased to hear. And um, you know, I think Marquise is, is going to learn a lot from this experience, and, and ultimately, it's going to help him. You know, in the bigger picture. Well, we're certainly uh, glad to know that. Uh... Things are looking good for Marquise and uh, a very nice young man, and we wish him all the best. And as you say, Coach, you just never know what uh, the future may hold. But again, we definitely wish uh, all the very best to Marquise Clayton. Now, let's move on and talk about, uh, I know for me, one of the favorite times I've had calling any game, anywhere, any sport, any level, took place the other day in Moncton when you guys took on the London Lightning uh, on Sunday afternoon, a rematch, if you will, of that instant classic back in January, the 147-146 double overtime game. Uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of that game, uh, what was kind of your thought process going into that game, and what was your message to the team just prior to hitting the floor against London? You know, the the message, you know, the last couple of minutes before we left the locker room was was, you know, this was the last team you know, in the entire NBL that we had not beat yet this season. You know, we, we've beaten everybody else in this league at least one time. And I think for us, you know, it was really proving to ourselves 
that we can beat anybody in this league, um, you know, on any given night, we have the talent to, to do that. And, um, you know, that, that was kind of it. Like, Hey, this is, this is, uh, the, the best measuring stick you're going to have. Uh, this is our opportunity to, to give ourselves the confidence and you just, you know, the know-how that we have beat every team in this league before we head into the playoffs. So we are capable of it. And it really doesn't matter who you put in front of us in the postseason. You know, we know it's, it's a team that we can, we can beat. Um, and, you know, I think the guys, they, they grasped that and they kind of rallied behind that. And, and it certainly was a, um, was a game we, we, we wanted to win very badly. Now, at the beginning of that game, uh, London came out and seemed to be very um, focused on really quick ball movement, moving the ball around the outside, everybody almost getting a touch. Um, their star player, Royce White, seemed to be more content on being a playmaker than a scorer. And they really kind of got the jump on you guys in the first quarter. You guys definitely turned it around in the second quarter, uh, pulling back and, and getting the game much tighter. But what was the difference in that first quarter where London seemed to be kind of almost doing what they wanted offensively to you guys turning it around and, and pulling it back toward the end of that sec, uh, second quarter? Yeah, I think it was, it was, um, it was adjustments you, you, you've seen that were being made, adjustments prior to the game, you know, from our, from our last uh, meeting with London uh, and then adjustments in game. Obviously, the, the, the first time that we played London – you know, Royce White went for, for 46 points. You know, he had his way. He, you know, we, we really struggled defending around the rim. And, and we, we just said to ourselves, like, hey, you know, if they're going to beat us today, they're going to have to knock down perimeter shots. Um, that's the game plan. Whenever you play a team as talented as, as London, um, you know, you have to be willing to give up something. You know, not that you, you want to, but you just can't defend everything, meaning the perimeter, the interior, you know, penetration, uh, inside scoring, outside scoring, you know, you have to be willing to give something up within your game plan. And for us, uh, it was, hey, we're going to protect the paint. We're going to force these guys to shoot the ball from three. And, you know, if they're coming out and they're having a hot night, then we'll make an adjustment. Um, and, and that's what we had to do. You know, they came out and, uh, and they shot the ball extremely well in the first quarter. You know, it felt like it was kind of raining threes there. And, you know, London's a great team. I mean, there's a reason they're they're 21 and 10 or whatever the record is. Um, they have veteran guys who are extremely talented, who share the basketball, and, and they're really tough to guard. Uh, when you have such a presence like Royce White at the rim, he draws so much attention. You know, if teams are double teaming or, or whatnot, you know, it, it's going to open up somebody on the perimeter. And I think that quick ball movement that you saw, you know, was London – just always finding the open guy, um, you know, and, and they were hitting shots. You know, I think it was credit to them. You know, they were they were knocking down open shots, and it wasn't just one guy; it was multiple guys. So it was it was very difficult to defend. Second quarter, we just we made the adjustment. Okay, they're shooting it well. You know, we have to get out and defend the perimeter a little bit more, and, and be willing to to give up a little less help on on Royce White. And, and that was kind of the adjustment that we made uh, in that second, in between the first and second quarter. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your two newest additions of the team, of course, Juan Patillo and, and Marvell Waif. But hard to not mention, uh, and it just kind of popped in my head, but hard to not mention the contribution of Terry Thomas. Now, I think you guys definitely did make those adjustments. And as you've done so many times this season, you you take your defense and then you ride that into your transition offense, which then tends to pick up. 
But my goodness, Terry Thomas again, and I've joked with him off the court. I said, Terry, I said, I mean this as the biggest compliment. I said, you remind me of my favorite running back, Le'Veon Bell. When he sees an opening, he just cradles that ball, puts the head down, and he goes. We saw that time and again from Terry Thomas. What is it about Terry that just he gets this almost laser-like focus and he wants to take a game over? What Can you put a finger on what it is with him? Is it something you say to him? Does he just notice it himself and decide to go? He's a competitor. I mean, period. You know, and, and I think he's always been that way probably his entire life. Um, you know, the only thing that I'll really remind Terry of is, <clears throat> you know, continue to, to try to attack the rim. You know, you're at your best when, when you're attacking the rim. Uh, you know, he had improved his, his perimeter jump shooting so much this summer kind of like a new toy for him and and sometimes I think Terry would probably tell you sometimes he he may get caught up in, in kind of settling for that jumper a little too much when in fact he is most dangerous when he's just going to the rim and and, and then that opens up his jump shooting you know I think he finds more rhythm that way so you know I mean, that's all I really kind of remind Terry of and, and I mean the rest is on his own he's just a tremendous player I mean he is playing at an extremely high level right now you know you look at our last three games and unfortunately he missed the game in in st john um you know due to a a a funeral back in halifax but the kitchener waterloo game where he went for i think 28 and 11 and that that might have been the best game i've ever seen him play and i've seen him play a lot of games and then to go in against you know the top team in the league and, and go for 29 and 12 uh he is just really really performing at a high level and you know, I was talking with somebody about this the other day. I, I really think, you know, I mean, the Canadian senior men's national team, they, they really need to take notice of, of this guy. I mean, they, they need to, to really take notice of him and, and get him on their radar uh, because he is just playing at a, at, a, at a truly elite level right now. Well, he really is. And, you know, you've got two very good units plus in Moncton, which is so very important. you got to have that basically almost a second full team that can match up against your opponent and it takes a team to make it happen. But we've talked about Terry and again, hard not to talk about the two guys I'm going to mention now, but your two, your two newest additions of the team, Juan Patillo and Marvell Waith. Uh, I thought uh, Juan started to find his touch from about that 12 to 14 foot jump shot range in that game. But Marvell Waith, you know, you never know how much a player is going to play. He had just come in, you know, he might play a few minutes, and sometimes the game dictates. But he came in in 21 minutes, had 17 points, and he scored in all kinds of different ways. What a bag of tricks he has. But maybe just uh, the coach's perspective on what you saw from uh, from Juan and Marvell, especially in the latter stages of that game against London. Yeah, well, I think in Juan's case, I mean, he, he, he's starting to come around. You know, he, I think, you know, he went for 15 and. And, uh, and six in St. John, I think he had 16 and nine the other night. And, and we expect him to be, you know, a double-double guy. You know, that that's kind of the expectation when it comes to Juan. We don't necessarily need him to score the basketball a lot, but we certainly need him to be a consistent presence uh, on the glass. You know, and that was a big reason why, why we brought him in. Um, so I think he, he's kind of now starting to feel comfortable. You know, I think he really is. Marvell is kind of a, of a different uh, you know, he's a different player and, than, than Juan. And, and Marvell is the type of guy, you know, you can kind of throw him into any game, you know, at any time. And 
and he's going to be able to fit in. And, I mean, he is a true scorer. You know, there's no question about it. Um, and, I mean, his ability to, you know, six foot eight or so, his ability to shoot, shoot the basketball, you know, whether it's step backs, whether it's, it's fadeaways or pull-up jump shots, you know, he just elevates and he, and, he, and he has such a high release. He's really hard to guard. The guy that you can absolutely give the basketball to, clear out a side of the floor and say, go to work. And, and you know, he did that, um, you know, the other night against London. And it was something, you know, all the guys knew what his game was. You know, we had, we had played against him this year and they had heard about him a lot. And, you know, the guys just kind of had confidence right away in, in going to him. And, uh, yeah, he was he was very good, you know, for, for a debut, 17 points in 21 minutes. I don't think you're going to see that very often. Well, it was kind of funny. When he first checked into the game, my broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, and I mentioned, you know, there it is, Marvell Wade seeing his first action. And he got a touch almost right away on the, on the first offensive possession, and he put up a, probably about a 20, 22-foot jump shot that just rimmed out. And as soon as he did, because when he first checked in, Coach, he had his jersey all nice and tucked in, looked nice and pristine, almost like ready for a team photo. As soon as he missed that shot, when he turned to run up the court, the first thing he did, he ripped out the jersey, let it hang loose, and it kind of seemed to get him going after that. So I thought that that was kind of a, a neat thing from Marvell. The, the other thing, too, Coach, just get you to comment on, and I thought it was, uh, for me anyway, something really important for this team. In the late stages, uh, not much time left. Basically, all Moncton had to do was – possession, maybe get a stop, and you guys were kind of home and cooled. And then there was a situation with Marvell Waith and Ryan Anderson away from the ball at the other end of the court where they kind of got tangled up trying to get position. Arms got linked up. Marvell got a bit thrust, frustrated, threw, him down, threw Ryan Anderson down. Technical foul. London gets the ball, shots, possession. But the thing that really impressed me was that didn't get to your guys. They stayed with it, they stayed tough, and they finished it out. That last sequence at that last part, what did that mean to you as a coach, seeing your team be resilient and not allow that to crumble them? Well, I, I think it's a it's obviously a positive. I mean, um, you know, when you're when you're that close to, to kind of accomplishing a goal and, and things go sideways for a little bit, you know, to, to stay the, the, the course and, and not lose your head completely and um, you know, we came down and, and knocked down a shot. Actually, Marvell did um, immediately following those London scores. You know, I think it says a lot. But, but I, honestly, Scott, I mean, it's again, we always go back to how many veterans are, are on this team, and I, I really wouldn't expect a whole lot less. Um, I don't think our team has lost its head or, or you know, made really bad, bad decisions down the stretch of, of games this season. That's certainly not often. Um, so no, it was, it was a great sign to, to see us, you know, we, we kind of, we kind of kept our composure as a, as a whole, as a team and, and, uh, and finished out the job. Now, of course, all wins are big in any league. And we've talked about how all wins are important in this league, especially in a, in a 40 game regular season, but I've had lots of chances to see you and, and chat with you briefly after games at the Coliseum. And just to me anyway, you seem to have a little extra twinkle in your eye and a bit of an extra grin on your face after that game against London. Keeping in mind, again, I understand all wins are important, but what exactly did that win mean to you and the team on Sunday afternoon? 
Uh, like it, it meant a lot. It, it meant a lot to, you know, when you beat the top team in this league and, and the defending champions. I mean, you know, I mean, London lost five games last year. You know, they, they lost, they've only lost 10 this season. Um, they, they don't lose often, you know. So so when you're a team that can, you know, kind of put that, that notch on your belt, you know, it, it absolutely feels good. But I think it was also that combination of, like I said, proving to ourselves that we can beat anybody. You know, we can't sit in our dressing room during this postseason and, and say, oh, well, we can't beat these guys. You know, we have. We've beat everybody in the league. And, and I don't know how many teams can, can say that, you know, maybe other than, than London and, and Halifax. Um, so it, I think it just it proved a lot to ourselves. And um, I was just happy we, we got a win. We had a really tough game a couple of days before that in St. John where we did not play well. You know, we were missing, you know, three guys, and it was the second night of a back-to-back. So um, it was really important to get that win in St. John because we knew we had London coming in a couple of days later. Um, so, you know, to, to not get the win in St. John and then bounce back the way we did against, against the league's top team, uh, it was a good feeling. Now it would be hard for me not to talk about these two guys. And, and again, I'm, my brain's all over the place, coach. I'm, I'm, this is, this is me. I'm a Gemini and my brain jumps around, but I was, as you were talking about veterans, Anthony Anderson and Al Stewart popped in my head. Anthony Anderson recently became the only player in the NBL to have a thousand points, thousand assists, thousand rebounds. Al Stewart has a thousand points, thousand assists, and he's only, I think, six or seven rebounds away from having that thousand triple. Can you even put into words what it means to have two guys that have those kind of almost astronomical numbers? Ah, uh, man, you know it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough to. I'm, I'm just glad they're they're on our side. You know, I mean, I, they're they're battle tested guys. You know, they're guys that have have done have been so successful uh, in this league, and really in two different ways. You know, really Al on on one side of the ball, and, and obviously Double A on the other side of it. Uh, you know, his ability to score and whatnot. So it's just um, it's very comforting as a coach. You know, to know if Maybe Double A's not having a great game. You turn around, you have Al Stewart, you know. Or if Double A's having a great game, you know, Al Stewart's going to understand that his minutes are going to be cut back, you know. So it's just, it's really, it's a, it's a luxury to have for sure. Um, and you know, both those guys, they put winning above everything else. You know, I had actually sent. I don't know if you caught this or not, but I had actually sent Anthony Anderson back into the game with about. Two and a half minutes left. I think we were up four or five points uh, on on London, and um, he went to the scores table. Now, Al had played the entire fourth, which is much longer than his kind of normal shift. But he really had it going. He was playing very well. I liked what he was doing defensively, so I ran him longer. Um, but with three minutes left, and you have a four point lead, it's kind of closing time, right? And, and that's that's what Double A does pretty well. You can go out there, give him the basketball like we've done many times this year, and, you know, he can eat that clock up and then get something going to the rim. And uh, anyway, he went to check in, and, and you know, I think we got another stop, and he just kind of looked back at me and, and said, Coach, you know, Al's, Al's playing pretty well. You know, like, you know, why don't we leave him out there? And, you know, I'm, I wasn't going to argue with him. And I said, yeah, you know what, you're right. So uh, to have that kind of luxury, it's pretty unique. and. Um, you know, it's just a, a great thing. Well, it is, and it was funny. Right at the buzzer at the end of the game, uh, 
Al got a rebound and, and got one more for that total towards a thousand. So that wrap He's sneaky, up. isn't he? He's What's such that? a sneaky guy, Al Stewart. He, he's a he, sneaky guy. <laughs> he is. He's, that's a couple of times he's gotten like literally last second buzzer plays to either get. I think he did it a few weeks ago when he got the triple double. I think he got one of the rebounds right at the buzzer. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's just always great to kind of see that sneaky grin, you know, that that Al always throws out there so much. But uh, yeah, six rebounds away, you know, from from getting a, a thousand rebounds on top of his thousand assists and thousand points. And that's uh, to be in that class, you know, there's only only going to be two guys, uh, at least this season, who are going to accomplish that feat. It's pretty impressive. It really is. And and I, I joke with Al all the time. I mean, you get to be around him obviously way more than I do, but I keep saying, Al, we got to do the Al Stewart comedy show. Like the guy, he's hilarious. He goes, no, no. He goes, if you, if you ask me to do it, I won't be able to do it. I just got to be natural with it. I said, well, just let me follow you around with a camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and he could have his own. He could have his own reality show. There's no no question about it. Um, you know, he stopped into the office yesterday. Uh, he had a couple pairs of shoes sent uh, sent to the office. So he stopped by to pick them up, and and myself and um, Ken Wallace were there. Who's the, our director of game day operations? And you know, Al stopped in to pick up some shoes, and he ended up sitting around for about 25, 30 minutes just just chatting and telling stories and, and yet both of us were laughing pretty hard. And, uh, that's just Al though. You know, you just have to kind of be around him to, to really understand his personality. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to do that for a long time. Well, it's funny. We'll move on in a second, but one more quick Al story because there's so many, but a couple of games ago, my broadcast partner again, Dave had some Timbits at our broadcast position and Al's out during pregame shoot around. He comes over and, has a couple Timbits, and we're kind of joking around. We're like, hey, Al, if you have a big game tonight, you might have to have Timbits for every game. That's fine. The other night, or the other day versus London, Dave's got some Timbits again. Al comes over, opens up the box, looks in and goes, you got no (laughs) old-fashioned. It wasn't to his liking. (laughs) No, but that's quintessential Al right there. Okay, so you've got Al and the rest of the team heading out on the road tomorrow. Uh, traveling down for a Thursday game against Cape Breton, uh, heading up uh, a day early. So uh, maybe just a word about the the travel plans and uh, the road ahead on uh, next couple of days for Moncton. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna leave uh, tomorrow morning, probably around 10 a.m. And you know, hopefully, we'll be in Sydney around 3:30 or so, and uh, you know, we'll actually practice there tomorrow evening. Um, probably have a film session as well. Um, you know, and then we'll have our, our normal kind of shoot-around walkthrough Thursday morning at Center 200 before we, we play uh, at 7 o'clock that night. And, uh, you know, then we'll, we'll hop on the bus and, and head home after the game and uh, hopefully hopefully with a win. And a lot of times with a night game, uh, you'll, you know, teams will travel up uh, same day. Any particular reason or just kind of the way that fate drew it up? Uh, and, but going up a day early, any conventional wisdom behind that, Coach? Yeah, well, it's, it's different than what we've done. You know, our other couple trips to Cape Breton this year, um, well, at least one other time, you know, we, we've driven up, you know, the day of the game, you know, where we would leave fairly early in the morning, you know, probably around 9 o'clock and, and uh, check into our hotel around 2.30 and, and – um, you know, then go play the game at seven, stay the night and come home the next day. And, you know, I just, I really didn't like how we performed the last time we were there. I thought it was, 
one of our poorer performances of, of the season was the last time we did travel to, to Cape Breton. And, you know, I, I don't know what the exact reason was, but, I, you know, I'd like to think maybe a, a five, five-and-a-half-hour bus ride, you know, the, the day of the game maybe played a factor. So we're just kind of changing up our schedule a little bit, uh, you know, this this last trip up to, to Cape Breton. And hopefully, you know, it, it pays off. Hopefully we can get up there and have the guys nice and rested before the game on Thursday. And, and then, you know, just, just hop on the bus and kind of fall asleep on the ride home. Yeah, and for fans, again, uh, you can go to MonctonMagic.ca. The live stream links for all of the Moncton games, not just the home games, are are found there. Um, so, Coach, I know we've kind of touched on it at different times throughout the season when we've done these podcasts, but, you know, we're getting down now for you guys. Uh, only a couple of games left at home in the regular season, just a couple of games left overall in the regular season. Deadlines have passed. Roster moves have been made. As you sit here right now, looking at your team, how do you feel about them going down the stretch? I, I feel good. I, I feel like you know we're still, you know, adding Marvell and, and Juan here so late. Um, we we kind of have a little bit of catching up to do still. You know, we we still want to get back to that kind of firing on all all cylinders and. Um, and so we still have some some work to do. I, I really really like the personnel that we have, and you know the goal really is to use these last kind of three weeks of the regular season, um, you know, to, to lock up the, the two seed and, and possibly still compete for the, the division championship. Um, you know, I think Halifax would have to to suffer a couple losses over over on the Rock here tonight and tomorrow. And then I think we'd have to beat Halifax both times we play them in Halifax. So that's a, it's a pretty tall order. You know, I think our goal really is, is to, to lock up this two seed and, and use this time over the next three weeks to really sharpen up everything and, and just be playing 100%, you know, at our peak, playing our best all season, you know, come, come April 1st. That, that's really kind of the, the goal. But uh, I think we have all the pieces. I think we absolutely have all the pieces to, to win a championship this year. And, um, you know, I, I look forward to, to hopefully they, they all come together in, in the way I think they can. Well, all I can tell you is I really enjoy my trips to Moncton. So the, the deeper we go into the playoffs, the better it'll be for me because I get to hang out in Moncton more. <laughs> yeah, well, believe me, we have that in common, Scott. It'll be the, the better for me, too. The, <laughs> the longer this uh, this season can go, be, you know, it'll be better for all of us. And, um, and we, we've had high expectations all season, you know, and, and we've certainly – had ups and downs and, and we've, uh, we've, we've lost a, a lot of close games. We've won some close games. We've had some, some big blowouts and uh, it's been a mixed bag for sure. But uh, I, I absolutely believe we have the talent to, uh, to win the whole thing and, and really to, to compete with anybody. So it's pretty exciting. Well, I may be biased, but uh, I would agree with you. And the one comment I've made to friends of mine, when I've talked about the team, I said a team might get the magic on a particular night, catch him on an off game or whatever. I said, but my humble opinion to be able to get Moncton three times out of five or four times out of seven, going to be pretty tough. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree too. I, I think it's, I think we're going to be a tough team to beat, you know, four times in, in seven games. Um, you know, I think we had one three game losing streak, you know, early in, in the season, I think in December, maybe, um, you know, it's it's pretty rare we we lose more you know more than one or two uh, in a row, and um, 
And like I said, I, I love the fact we have some guys that, that have had deep playoff runs, have been to some finals, because um, it's truly a grind, and it, it truly is different than, than the regular season. It, it absolutely is. Everything gets gets ratcheted up a couple notches, and um, you know, I think we have a team that can that can handle that, you know, both physically and mentally. And I think our depth is going to play a huge role come the postseason. So I, I think we're going to be a pretty tough out as well. Well, with the record sitting at 20 and 15, I didn't get independent confirmation of this, but I did have somebody say that they did look it up. And uh, as far as they could tell, first time that a Moncton franchise in the National Basketball League of Canada has been five games over 500. So another uh, unique accomplishment for the team. Well, we're not we're not quite there yet, Scott. I don't want to correct you there. We, if we win on Thursday, we'll be we'll be twenty and fifteen. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, yeah, no, and I think I think that will be. You know, I think I heard as well that that probably will be the first time a uh, team in Moncton has, has been five games over five hundred. I know we've we've had a couple cracks at that this season. Um, you know, so hopefully we can we kind of get that done. You know, on, on Thursday, kind of get over that that hump, and uh, you know, so we obviously have a, a pretty tough game. Coming up after that, you know, the following weekend, heading down to Halifax. So, um, you know, we talked today, you know, this game Thursday is, is just as important as, as any of our remaining six games. Um, we just, we got to make sure we take care of business. Final thing for you, Coach. Uh, always like to chat about something uh, not directly basketball related, but kind of uh, all season long, uh, you know, I've gotten to see uh, – you know, your lovely wife and your two beautiful children around the Moncton Coliseum. And, and again, the other day, you know, both your kids were there and, and Cam is, oh my gosh, he's hilarious, but your daughter as well, she's a cutie. You know, you and I have talked about our first memories of going to a professional game or a big venue. And I look at your kids sometimes and I think, how cool is it for them to have this experience that when they get older, they'll be able to look back and remember being around these players and being in this big, cool arena with dad and all the things that go around that. Just what does that mean to you, coach? Cause I mean, I see you with your kids and your, your face lights right up. What does that mean to you to be able to have them to be able to come around and to be around you and to see what dad does. And even the other day, your son was out doing a little uh, one-on-one, I think with uh, Al Stewart perhaps, but anyway, just really neat to see. But what does that mean to you, coach? No, it means a lot. You know, I remember uh, an interview, a year or two ago, I, I forget who it was with now. Um, you know, they kind of asked me what was, you know, what do you enjoy most about coaching? And, and absolutely, one of those, one of those things I enjoy most is is seeing my my kids, um, you know, being fortunate enough to to have these experiences and kind of make these these memories. Um, it, to me, that that is a big reason why I do it. Um, you know, I, I know I never got to, to kind of hang around <laughs> pro ball players and, and, and check out all these big arenas and kind of have an all access pass to, to wherever, uh, you know, I, I, I never had that as a kid. So I think anytime you're a parent, you know, you always want to try to be able to give your kids more than, than maybe you had. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I think I've been able to do that. I think I've been able to do it for a little while. And I mean, I have photos of, of Camden, you know, my son, you know, my very first year uh, back in Summerside, you know, when he was, oh, I don't know, 18 months, you know, where he was just, had just started learning how to walk and, you know, have him out on the court. And then I have photos of him, you know, helping me coach the, the NBL Canada All-Star game uh, in Charlottetown, where because it was an All-Star game, 
he finally got to actually coach with me, you know, and he had a, a bow tie on and, and some, some <laughs> dress shoes. And he actually got to pace the sideline and, and talk to the guys. And um, he's done everything from, from wrap ice bags on guys to, to mop the floor to, you know, take photos. And, you know, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's really cool. So, um, and the Magic is just such a great organization. You know, they, they, they really have kind of taken my family with open arms. And, and, you know, my kids, again, they kind of have the run of the mill there at the Coliseum. And uh, it's fun. I, I love watching how much fun they have. And, you know, anytime we, we lose a tough game, you know, usually my daughter is the first one who will, who will chase me down in the tunnel. And it's like you instantly snap out of it. You instantly snap out of, you know, the, the – the upset feelings and, you know, bumming out because you lost the game uh, and you just kind of come back to reality. So it's, it's a really, really cool experience. Yeah, it really is. And I know a neat moment for me a few weeks back uh, when your dad, Joe senior was at the arena and to see the grandfather, the father, and then your son, all three together. I'm a, I'm an old softy family guy coach. So stuff like that gets me right in the field. So pretty neat indeed. Listen, can't thank you enough for your time once again. I know that you got lots going on, but uh, again, I will reiterate that uh, certainly myself and the fans appreciate you taking the time to kind of take us behind the curtain, as it were, and to give us a little insight each and every week about uh, what's going on in and around the Moncton Magic. So thank you for this. Yeah, of course. Of course, Scott. Anytime. I always always look forward to it every week. So we'll uh, we'll chat with you again uh, next week, hopefully after a, a win and, and uh, preparing for a big one down at yeah, we'll look forward to it, Coach. Uh, good luck on the road. And again, we will definitely talk to you on the podcast next week. And then uh, look forward to seeing you in person on St. Patrick's Day. Sounds great. Thanks again, Scott. Safe travel, sir. Take care. Thanks a lot. That was Joe Salerno, the head coach of the Moncton Magic. A reminder, again, the Magic on the road for the next few weeks. However, if you visit MonctonMagic.ca, they always have the link for the live stream so you can watch the magic on the road and give them support. I'm Scott Squires. Thank you so much once again for listening to the Magic Time Podcast. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Thank you for listening to the Magic Time Podcast. Proudly presented by Firm Foundation Media.